Hey business storytellers, thanks for joining me. This is a replay of my content performance culture talk that I've given at a number of summits recently. Uh, and basically it's the audio version, but I'm just talking. There's no PowerPoint, there's really no visuals. Um, so hopefully you will enjoy this special episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast. If you have not subscribed yet, please do so on any of the podcast channels. And I hope you check out my blog as well, AuthenticStorytelling.net. Let's dive in how we can create a content performance culture. Hey everyone, it's Christoph Trapp. Thanks for joining me. Uh, my pleasure to be part of this summit. And I want to talk about how to create that content performance culture. And I care about that topic so much. Just finished my um, third book, 220 some pages of how do you actually create that content performance culture. So what's a content performance culture to get started? The biggest thing to remember is when I started in journalism, there was no such thing. And I, I, I keep joking that back in the day, people would say to me, Christoph, how many people read your article? And I would say 83,000. And how would I know that 83,000 read it? Um, simple enough. That was the, the subscriber number. 83,000 people got the print newspaper. So certainly they all read my article. Uh, why wouldn't they, right? Because they got the paper. That's kind of what you do with it. Um, of course, today we can measure everything and everything um, should have goals. And even when we don't write them down, unfortunately, people do expect performance. Uh, fortunately, unfortunately, I guess. Um, and sometimes the problem is that we're not very clear on what the goal actually is. They just exist in somebody's head. Uh, we didn't write them down. We didn't have a strategy. Uh, but then when the time comes where we look at the success of a campaign, people are still looking at what they thought the goal was. So really, really super important to, to kind of follow the framework of a content performance culture to be successful. So there's a number of pillars that I recommend that you focus. And the first one is that you have to embrace that there is a performance culture. And here's what that means. You actually have to look at the numbers. Um, and, you know, we talk about dashboards. Uh, put up a dashboard. There's so many different ways to put up a dashboard today. Google um, uh, Studio, um, other tools, right, that can tell you how your content is performing, especially on the channels that you care most about. So if you're mostly on social media, um, make that your top priority. If you're focusing on the website, make that your priority. If you're focusing on something else, figure out what the best way is to measure your goals. It's, it's really that simple in theory, but you have to embrace it and you have to make sure the goals are in front of you. So you probably see that with a lot of companies now when you go into their offices. They have um, dashboards up and you can actually see the goals on those dashboards. So whatever the goal is, anybody that walks in there can see them. And I find that a fantastic way to do it because if you don't look at your goals, if you don't see them, if you don't know what the progress is, how do you know that you're accomplishing anything? How do you know you're on track? How do you know that you're trying? So, but the thing is you have to tie it to your goals. So if your goal is not um, to reach a certain number of audience members or to, to um, saturate the market to a certain extent, um, how do you know what to go after? And the, the way I joke about this sometimes is 
I was a football player, uh, had a scholarship to play at the University of Iowa, lineman. So, you know, I, I weighed a lot because linemen eat and they're expected to be big. And basically, when I was done playing football, I lost 140 pounds. And the reason that's important to bring up, to lose weight, that's one strategy. To, to gain muscle, that's another strategy, right? So if I want to get more buff, I should lift. If I want to lose weight, I should run and eat less. So just something to think about that this also applies in a content performance culture. Set your goals and then go after them. And you have to embrace um, that you're actually wanting to do that. Um, the other thing is anecdotes, sometimes they do help. Um, so for example, let's say you're talking and interviewing an expert in your company and you share their story. Um, and all of a sudden you can't measure whether or not people actually um, if it worked, right, if they take it offline, for example, let's say they take it offline, they read the article, they call, but they didn't use the phone number that you're using for tracking. And, um, you know, so you can't measure it. But the anecdote from that expert telling you that it seemed like the campaign worked, um, it, that also matters. But the, but at the end of the day, we have to be sure to measure what we're going after, and then we have to look at that. So those are some of the strategies to do that. The second pillar is innovation by all. And you know, here's the thing. There's a lot of barriers to overcome for true innovation. I mean, the latest, um, I just talked to Michael Brenner the other day. He's the author of Mean People Suck. And I asked him, Michael, why do we even need this book? Nobody disagrees with that statement. And he said, the era of smart jerks needs to be over. And that's a very good point, right? Because it used to be bosses could be jerks and bosses basically, this is how you do it. Uh, and it's okay to have leaders who hold you accountable, but innovation happens from everybody. And so it's really important that you know leaders and really anybody who comes forward with a project Talk about the goal. What are we trying to accomplish? And then the team can innovate together. And that also includes um, like plussing, um, right? So if somebody says, hey, we want to reach this audience. How do we do that? Don't come to everybody with all the answers. Come to them with the problem we're trying to solve and then give people a chance to innovate. That doesn't mean everybody has to love every idea you ever present, but you do want to make sure that you think about um, how do we innovate as a team and how do you innovate on a personal level. All right, the next pillar is next play mentality. And so that certainly is a term that came from playing football and for over a decade or roughly a decade. And so what happens in sports? Um, teams run a play, something good happens or something bad happens. Doesn't really make any difference what happens. They have to run another play, right? So we want that same mentality when it comes to content marketing, when it comes to content creation, social media strategy, all those subsections of digital marketing and inbound marketing. We want to talk about what's the next play. Run the next play. That campaign didn't work. Run another play. Run another campaign. Try something else. Um, so I was asked a question recently. What would you do if a client says, 
we, uh, we want to do this and you disagree with that, that we should do that. Um, and the, the, the traditional answer is argue and talk about it and try to get them to change their mind. And some people argue that you want to compromise. I don't think compromise is uh, necessarily a good way to do digital strategy. But really what I would recommend is, okay, if you think that's a good idea, let's get it in a close to perfect shape and, you know, done most of the time is better than perfect plus perfect is really impossible to achieve um, you do want to have a good user experience of course but then what you do is you test their idea for a week or two weeks or whatever you agree on right um, don't just shut it down but try it and that's the beauty of digital marketing today we don't just run a campaign and then that's it um, run a campaign test 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 if it didn't work, run another campaign, run another campaign. And, you know, they build on each other, of course, but that is the next play mentality. You don't have to be stuck in, in only one answer. You know, be stuck in trying to keep going for that goal. And that's what's interesting when we talk about automation, right? We'll talk about that a little bit later here. That... Um, you know, you can automate things, but you still have to oversee it. You still have to think about the strategy. The next pillar that is really, really important is the right players in the right seats. And I hate to say it, guys, but this is like not everybody is good at everything. And you have to have a well-rounded team. Uh, what do well-rounded teams have? Uh, what do they do? They complement each other and they also complement each other because they love each other's success. They work together. They, they grow together. They build things together. So keep that in mind that um, you need to have the right players in the right seats. Just because somebody worked out in that same seat 10 years ago doesn't mean they will work out today, um, right? And you know, things have changed. So just something to think about. You need the right players. Who are the right players typically? Most teams, I would say, need content creators. Somebody that creates the content, whatever that might look like. Uh, probably that means you need to have some people who can write. Um, and, you know, everything comes back to writing. I mean, even, you know, I made notes, right, for, for this. Uh, it's not a script. I'm not reading a script, but it's still written out. And uh, in, in all honesty, um, the the sections are really just chapters from the book. So I'm talking about what I also repurpose in the book. And now I'm repurposing again. And good teams do that. They repurpose content. They throw content to parade. And they use it everywhere. So content creators, we definitely need them. Uh, they should be able to write, uh, whether it's for video, whether it's for podcasts, whether it's for articles. Um, the other thing when it comes to content creation, I, you know, I probably publish a blog post a day about a thousand words or so. I'm not saying you need to do that, um, but I currently do that because of the strategy that I'm implementing and I write very few of them. And by writing what I mean, right, I have my keyboard and I'm writing on my keyboard. That's not how I do it. Um, I most of the time voice dictate them. So I'm standing here and I have my iPhone and I'm voice dictating directly into the WordPress app. And then the WordPress app will um, transcribe it. That works well most of the time. Sometimes you have to go in and update it. 
Um, but think about the different ways you can produce content um, and the different ways you can create co content. We'll talk about video a little bit more here and um, also podcasting, uh, but there's other ways to create content. Um, I mean, so simple today to, to do some of those things. As long as you're a good storyteller, you still have to create a good storyline and you still have to be willing to try new things. Um, then the strategists or syndication specialists, and this is important because I've seen teams that create average content rocket when they have rock star syndication strategists, right? Because they do such a good job getting it in front of people that at the end of the day, um, the average content worked because they were in front of a lot of people. So enough people, it is a numbers game, unfortunately, but enough people saw it um, and enough people clicked. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't go after um, better content, rock star content, but when that happens, um, it's just an indicator that you need somebody on the team who's really good with syndication. Of course, you can't totally um, break that out further to also, you know, you can have email marketing strategists, you can have social media specialists, you can have SEO specialists, you can have all these different things. Um, some teams don't have that kind of budget to, to have all those different areas, but um, you need to have somebody who is good at that, who is good at writing good subject lines, who is good setting up cadences on email, who's good at distributing it on social SEO. Um, I'm seeing more and more writers, you know, take on the SEO task as well. Um, and But definitely email is a fantastic syndication tool. Also remarketing, right? If people come to your site, um, how do you get them to come back? Uh, you hit them up with some good content that's, that's worth consuming. Um, so definitely need somebody like that. The other role that I would highly recommend for the right people in the right seat um, pillar is to have an analyst. And this really hit me over the head. Last year, I was speaking at a conference in San Diego, and I said, who on your team, not San Diego, Anaheim, California, um, who on your team should be the digital analyst? And there's all these answers flying around. But when I turned that story, that question around and asked, who on your team should be the writer? Everybody says, the writer, right? So because that's not a new thing. Everybody knows what a writer is. Uh, but we do need somebody in the digital analyst role who is not everything else. Digital analysis and, is, and also setting up and tracking goals is actually a relatively advanced uh, skill set. Um, and also, sometimes, you know, I've had some of my best discussions with analysts uh, about when things can't be measured. So the analyst would say, that actually can't be measured. What's your goal? What are you trying to um, measure? And based on that collaborative discussion, you can then figure out how to measure it. Um, but it is important to have those roles. Now, sometimes um, one person can play multiple roles, right, and, and, and fill multiple of those um, needs. Um, but but I, I think it would be hard to think that one person can be good at everything. So the digital analyst role also goes into the final pillar um, that I want to mention is ongoing evaluation. And I am still amazed how often this doesn't happen. And what I mean by ongoing evaluation is 
we look at the numbers. So, you know, we talked about having a dashboard up, looking at the dashboard, knowing what's working, knowing what's not working. And every once in a while, you know, people have said, well, why are we report like, so let's say you have um, print and digital, right? So I just talked uh, with Joe Polizzi um, on my business storytelling podcast. We recorded a show and Joe's theory is that they will be more brand print magazines coming out. And I think he might be on to something. So basically brands produce these magazines, they ship them to people every quarter or whatever it might be. And then they use them as lead generation and awareness campaigns, right? Like just like email, except it comes in print. What's interesting about that is you can only measure that impact every quarter or every um, whatever, however many times it comes out, you know, and then it might take a while because people don't read it the second you send it. It has to still get there through the mail, from the printer, et cetera, et cetera. But what's interesting is in digital, you can measure things all the time, right? In fact, some of us have gotten addicted to check in if something is working or it's not working. Are the numbers going up? Not yet. Give me five more minutes. Are we there yet? Ten more minutes, you know, that kind of thing. But um, you do need the numbers and you need to look at them and you need to look at them daily. And if we don't, uh, it's really, really, truly hard to make it work. Um, but, you know, that's why the ongoing evaluation is harder and harder to do. Um, so let's dive into a few steps on how to create that content performance culture. Um, one thing that we have to keep in mind is we want to come up with a plan. And I know some people will say, well, that's nothing new. But so if it's nothing new, then why are there so many companies out there that don't have a plan? I look at uh, teams and, you know, they're like, oh, we don't have a plan. Here's what we're trying to do. OK, is it written down? Really recommend writing it down. This is the goal. This is what we're trying to do. Um, and here's how we're going to do it. And even if it's just one page, and then even if you update what you're currently working on, the goals can change and they should change because it's a dynamic environment. But once you have that in place, um, the only way truly to win through content is you have to publish content. Now, the question is, how often and that all depends. So I was talking to Andy Crestadina, who is one of the, the fellow um, uh, instructors here on this summit. And, you know, he said to me he publishes something in depth every two weeks. And basically his company can be hired to do website design. And so how often do people need new websites every three to five years? And when they decide that they need a new website, how long is the buying uh, decision the decision cycle about two months so if he publishes every two weeks he can be top of mind most of the time and then when people need help he can be top of mind at least four times right or you know at least two times and four times if if the timing works out so for him that's fine for me currently on authenticstorytelling.net i got a little bit of a different goal uh, I'm trying new things. I'm testing new things. I'm I'm marketing, um, uh, really marketing myself. So I'm doing podcasts daily. I'm doing blog posts daily, uh, and that's kind of my strategy for the time being. That doesn't mean everybody has to do that um, daily, um, but think about what is the um, cadence you should be on. Um, probably should be more than once a month, in my opinion. Probably should be more than once every. 
quarter. Um, you know, if you really go in depth and you really hit that nail of an important topic that people care about, you might be okay going less. Uh, I do. I have seen content campaigns where people create less content, but it's so in depth and it's really hitting a pain point, and they do a fantastic job with syndication. Sometimes it works, uh, but you know, all the studies I've seen from HubSpot and, and others is uh, frequency and quality and all those things do help with SEO. So, um, you know, just something to think about. Uh, doesn't mean we have to do it daily, but we have to do it. And then get on a schedule and do share that content and keep measuring things and building on each other. Let's talk about podcasting. So I'm a writer by trade. I'm a journalist by, by, by training, I, I guess. And when I grew up, everything was writing, you know, like this, you write an article, like there was nothing else. And now we have podcasting and podcasting is really taken off. And uh, from what I'm seeing, more and more people um, have podcasts. They're fairly easy to produce. I'll talk about that a little bit. And then how do you tie it in to your overall create once, publish everywhere, cope strategy, the cope strategy, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. So Basically, um, what I do is uh, I set up two podcasts. One is the Content Performance Culture Book Podcast. And this is an idea I got from Joe Polizzi. He, he put out a novel, and it's only being released as a podcast. So I thought, hey, I have the book, right? I got the print book, but I also want to um, distribute it as a podcast. So literally, I went chapter by chapter, and there's about uh, 24 chapters, roughly, um, and then there's going to be two bonus chapters that all have their own episodes. And they're being released. They're still currently being released through about middle end of March um, to a week. And so so people can listen to them. So I set that up because I want to maximize building that audience and then, you know, driving awareness of the brand, of the concept of, uh, you know, helping people to to be more successful and drive performance through content. And then I have the business storytelling podcast. And what I do on there is sometimes it's just me talking like now, right? I'm just talking, um, sharing my own knowledge and, and thoughts and, and opinions to an extent. Um, keep that in mind. Some things, they work today, but they don't work tomorrow. Or you might find another way. Um, or it doesn't apply exactly to your situation. So that does happen. But I got the business storytelling podcast. I do talk on there. Myself and I also have guests. So I already mentioned some Andy and Joe and uh, Michael Brenner and others. And the way you record, it is so simple today. Let me just open it up here quickly. On so I have my phone, and you know, it, I got the Anchor app, and this is not sponsored, obviously, but I got the Anchor app, and um, you know, you log in, and it's so easy. I mean, you literally just. Um, Invite friends to, the sun is kind of in the way, but you go in there and you invite friends to record. And as long as they have the app, super easy for them to just um, hop on. You can record it. And then when you're done, you trim it and then you put it on, um, uh, you get it scheduled for publication and it goes live. Now, what I do a lot of times is I take the podcast once they get published, sometimes I do it um, at the same time, but not always. I take that content and I also write an article. 
for AuthenticStorytelling.net. So that's the COPE strategy, right? You have a piece of content. What are the other channels that you can um, share it to? And, you know, a podcast is a great way to do that, especially for your guest. Let's say you invite an expert from your company on the show. And if you're at the same location, you can literally just talk to you, talk to the phone and hand the phone back and forth. I wouldn't hand it back. I would um, point it like this. And just for the record, the microphone on an iPhone is down here, right at the bottom of the phone, not at the top. So use the mic, use the iPhone almost like a microphone like that. That's what I would do. Make sure you can see that it's recording. Um, so when the screen goes dead, kind of uh, click it really quickly. Uh, but then I use that as another way to get more content out there and get ahead of the schedule. You know, a 30-minute conversation, you can easily write um, a 1,200-word article from that. Um, no problem at all. Uh, I do it all the time. And, you know, that's one way to do that. The other one, uh, so I use uh, Anchor for that. Um, uh, and, you know, really just talk like, like you're having a conversation. Um, I do edit. I do add music. I do sometimes, so every once in a while... Um, I will lose connection with somebody, so I have multiple clips. At that point, I will add uh, like like a commercial break, I guess. You know, check out my latest book, blah, blah, blah. And um, I could do that even if there wasn't a, a break in the recording. Uh, usually don't, but you can do things like that. Um, the biggest problem with Anchor is if you have external guests and for some reason they, they need to be given the opportunity to review the audio, that's currently not possible. They have to log into your account. Um, so just something to keep in mind, but certainly you can re record it other ways. But if you're mobile only, I'm a mobile only creator, um, that does help. Um, the other tool that I wanted to mention really, really briefly is um, artificial, um, not artificial, um, virtual reality video and that this is such a great way to also share stories that are visual so for example if i'm just standing here right you don't need a vr video of me standing here in in my office um, just this works just fine right uh, but if it was a visual area you can now buy um, cameras that you can put on top of your phone they're like under 100 bucks more expensive ones like 200 dollars and you put them on here and you can walk around with those attachments and you can shoot VR video. And then people can actually watch them on their phone with a headset and they can look around the room, you know, with their headset. So it's really cool to do that. Now, the way to think about that is make sure it is actually something visual. So so the couple of examples that I've used before is I was at a in a showroom in Chicago and very, very visual. Right. So. Um, you could see something. And then what I did is I shot all these takes and then I interviewed some of the experts about what was going on. And it was about acoustics, right? What was going on here? Why um, Why was this looking like that? What's this doing, et cetera, et cetera. And then I cut it together. Then we cut it together. I didn't do it. The editor did. But, um, <clears throat> you know, so you can use that as a centerpiece for all your content creation. So you do the video, you do the podcast from just the audio, you can write an article, you can do social posts, you can take it, um, you know, in all these different places. So those are some differentiators. And the reason I bring those up is because differentiators happen when teams find new 
things to do, right? So for example, if I'm the only one in my market to do VR video, it is a differentiator. End of story. It, uh, live audio is another one. I almost forgot about that one. So a lot of times what I do is I do live and live audio broadcast, record it on my phone, uh, and I'm recording the video right now on my iPad. So that's my iPad. And basically, I do the live audio on my phone. I do the podcast recording on my iPad. And then, um, you know, I can differentiate. By, I have a podcast, but I also did a live stream. And my live streams have, you know, a few hundred listeners. And there's very few companies and brands and people who are actually doing live audio broadcasts. I mean, people do live periscopes, Facebook Live, those kind of things. But live audio is relatively an unused tactic. So when I do that, it's a differentiator. So think about how do you use new technologies to stand out? Uh, I still remember, this is like a 10-year-old story now, but 10 years ago at a United Way, we used augmented reality for a print piece. And it's kind of hard to explain today because today augmented reality is so much further along than it was back then. Uh, but basically you had a print uh, piece and then you held your phone over it, right? We used the layer app, you hold over it, and now you can, um, it goes directly to a video or it goes directly to a podcast. So we didn't have podcasts back then, but you know what I mean. You can link to different things and have a multimedia experience. Um, and, you know, didn't didn't cost too much or, or really any extra cost to get that started at that time. So think about how can you share your content differently? How can you be, uh, how can you help it differentiate? The, um, the last few um, sections here, I want to talk about getting in the weeds. And, you know, I would highly recommend that that all content leaders Get in the weeds sometimes. Don't just work on the strategy, but try it. See if this works. It's really easy for me. I still remember this story. Um, really easy for me as an executive to say, oh, reporters can just shoot um, video and pictures and interview people and go live and do this and this and this and like eight things. Content takes time. So any leader of any team, you know, please go into the weeds Try and, you know, and see how it works. See what's working. See what's not working. Um, and, you know, also the, the members on the team try other tasks. That doesn't mean you have to become an expert at everything. Um, nobody can be an expert at everything. But it's good to know, okay, why is this not working? Or how do you do that? Or how long does that actually take? Uh, or what's involved here? So keep that in mind. Finally, as the last topic, I want to talk about automation. Fantastic content performance teams, uh, they have and use automation to their advantage. And here's how that typically looks. Email marketing. If you're still putting together your emails by hand, that is probably not the way to do it in 2020. There's ways to do it through AI uh, that, that happens automatically. You just say pull content from here and here and here. Um, I had the, the chairman of uh, Raza.io on the show not too long ago, the Business Storytelling Podcast. Um, that's one way to do it. Another way is, I mean, you could just have a simple RSS feed, right, that sends out thing, things. Um, you can also set up cadences. So traditionally what would happen is um, people, when they sign up for your content, they only get the latest content, but why waste all the other content? Why not send them uh, previous content pieces? So 
put them on a cadence. There's plenty of tools out there that you can use for that to do social media. Lots of ways to automate social media, um, as you know, as you're probably aware. So just something to think about. The things you can automate, automate them. If they're repetitive tasks, um, why do you need to? Um, why do you need to do it manually? Some parts of automation are real also about like images, for example. You know, like I mean, when I hear people still have cheat sheets with image sizes, that's crazy. Just run a script or just have a you know, make sure it's automatically um, resized to the right size um, image for whatever network you're going after. So content performance has never been harder. I'm the first to admit it. Uh, I, I know it takes time. I know it takes work. So hopefully these um, tips and my five pillars of a content performance culture were helpful. Just as a quick review, um, number one, you do have to embrace it. You want to, right? If you don't embrace it, you can't do it. I mean, I cannot lose weight if I'm not embracing the weight loss journey. And that's just a fact of life. Innovate. I don't care if you're the specialist. I don't care if you're the intern. Everybody has a place to be innovative in their own regards. And make sure that um, that, that you bring your ideas to the table. That doesn't mean your ideas have to be run all the time. Um, but I also would be worried if only the boss's ideas ever move forward. So just something to keep in mind. Um, but push your ideas forward, you know, be a vocal, but of course, professional member of the team. Next play mentality, um, you know, run the next play. The next play is already over. There's another play just waiting, you know, uh, Friday you go home. It's the weekend. The game is over. Monday is a new game. We need more plays. The right players. Um, it's okay to be in the wrong seat, but then let's find the right seat and let's find the right makeup. And finally, we have to look at the ongoing performance and that's a nonstop thing happens all the time. So keep that in mind. Um, good luck. I hope you have a chance to uh, create that content performance culture and get your content to do for you what you want it to do. I'm Christoph Trapp. Uh, please connect with me on Twitter at ctrapp, authenticstorytelling.net, uh, and of course, the author of Content Performance Cultures. Good luck and reach out anytime, ctrapp at gmail.com. Enjoy the rest of the summit. Everyone wants to move their content from happening to performing, and it's possible. Check out my latest book with the latest tips and tricks and advice on how to establish that content performance culture. It's possible. The book is available at contentperformance.online.